This is Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by Anderson, Augustino & Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino & Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider. Pete Sanson, Tim O'Malley, and Tim Priester after Notre Dame's 52-17 blowout of Miami. And I think it was, I don't know, the reaction from readers and fans from it kind of was surprising to me, I guess, a little bit. Because there was, uh, I think there's a real hesitancy or reluctance in a large section of the fan base to, to sort of, I think, validate the fact that Notre Dame is maybe really good. Um, you know, we're around them and I'm not saying I know better cause I'm a reporter, but I think after watching practices and games and watching film and all that, I, I have a hard time not coming to the conclusion that Notre Dame is, is really good this year and certainly has exceeded my expectations. I don't want to like filibuster here, but I've, this is a real tangent as a Soccer fan, managers always talk about performances and results. And there's performances, like you can be happy with the performance and not get a good result. You can be happy with the result and not get a good performance. I think the results of Notre Dame are are pretty average. But I think the performances are really, really good. Yeah, a coach can be you know happy with a loss or happy with the performance and a loss, what you're saying, and, and not so happy with a win. And, and, you know, I think... Maybe there will probably not because they're a MAC team, but I think maybe in a few weeks when when Miami of Ohio is competing for a MAC title, which I think they will, I think they'll have a showdown with Ohio on. It's actually on Halloween, um, you know, for the Eastern Division um, Championship of of uh, the MAC. But it is a it it. I keep using the term upper echelon, but it is an upper echelon MAC team. Um, they obviously have some players at quarterback and wide receiver. I think their linebackers and secondary are, are, are good players. And it, I don't think any of us are predicting, okay, this now means that Notre Dame's going to go 10-2 and two or 11-1. and one. We're just trying to take it at face value. And I guess the term that I used was don't watch it, see it. You know, I think a lot of people are watching it and not seeing the improvement because – this is a this is another assumption that as soon as Notre Dame starts hammering people, then those teams suck. And I don't, you know, somewhere in between is reality there. I get that because BC can't score and, and Miami is a team that Notre Dame should beat. But we're trying to look at the individual components of this team. And it's not a direct comparison to last year, but you can't help but make comparisons to gauge improvement. And we write about it and talk about it every day of our lives now. They are significantly better in many, many ways. I think if you're a Notre Dame fan that wants to look at the big picture, you don't have to appreciate the Miami win, but I would appreciate the last three games they've played. Since halftime of Boston College, Notre Dame has been a really impressive team. That's, that's the best way to put it, offensively and defensively, especially offensively since that halftime of that game. I guess it's the first series Brandon Wimbush fumbled in the third quarter against Boston College. Notre Dame rose up and stopped him. Since then, they have looked really good. They run the ball well. Uh, Wimbush has been shaky passing, but he, in the worst <clears> environment <throat> he played in this year, and maybe the hardest environment he'll play in this year, Miami at night, I'm not sure that matches up to Michigan State now. Their players are better. But Wimbush played well 
in the Michigan State game in the worst environment he's faced. He's going to have to be better when they play USC's. Actually, he's going to be better in all six games in the second half of the season. He's going to be better than he was against yeah. uh, Boston College and Miami of Ohio with, with the short passing game. But look, it's an improving team. Georgia is an outstanding team that they lost to. They lost by one point. You know, ifs and buts. Or they'll be number eleven in the country yeah. had they gotten one it more is, play. It is what it, that that is what it is. Yeah. But there, that's that for losing by one to Georgia is the only pockmark yeah. right now, and a bad half at BC. You, this is a good team, and I think and we have to. Better. And I think we have to understand. I wrote about in tail of the tape. You have to understand that Chip Long and Brian Kelly went into that game and said, like I suggested last week, that they go back to a lot of the intermediate stuff and challenge him. That's what they did. He didn't succeed in doing that. He threw one nice but, one on fourth down to the Claypool. That was an that was a real yeah. yeah that, and that was yeah. You mean the fourth and eleven? Yeah, yeah that was early really, in the game. That was, that was they like were a, at their own. That was a real quarterback. Yeah, throw, but sit back in the pocket and reread the situation. So there are aspects of the passing game that he's not very good at, and those aspects need to be improved, or they're not going to be as successful in the second half of the season. There are as, aspects of the offense that we've seen. Temple, there were seven catches by the tight ends in the Temple game. Throwing underneath the Cam Smith, and then of course we know what the game plan was against Michigan State. So there are aspects of it that he can execute, including the running part of it with 400 yards rushing and eight touchdowns. But there are the more intricate aspects, the more the timing routes, the precision routes that he's still not very good at. But after starting two for nine, he was five for nine in the game, and he hooked up with uh, St. Brown three times in in one scoring drive. So. He progressed a little bit as the game went on, but obviously still shortcomings. You know, Tim, when you mentioned upper-level MAC teams, Western Michigan's an upper-level MAC team, and they lost at USC 49-31. And Northern Illinois is an upper-level MAC team, and they beat Nebraska and almost beat Boston College. And Troy is an upper-level Sunbelt team and just won at LSU. So I don't think people should take for granted that you know upper-level group of five teams, when they're good, should push you if you even if you are slightly above average to maybe pushing good. I think when you're potentially great, that's when it doesn't matter how good they are. And Miami, I think, and Miami I think didn't Notre push Dame Notre Dame at all. No, I think no, Notre really Dame has didn't. some potential great quality. That's why I say last, and I you know these comparisons you can't make it, but Notre Dame's team last year put them in in last Saturday's game against Miami Ohio, and it would have been forty two to twenty seven. I assume they would have. They, I assume they would have won. But I, it would have been, I would have left at halftime. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yes. That I mean, because because if you really break down that game, Chuck Martin's got a really nice, creative, varied offense and a quarterback that is football savvy and knows how to play the position. An NFL level wide receiver, some other big receivers, and some running backs that are pretty good. Um, he did everything he could to try to keep them in that game, and Notre Dame didn't allow them to to, to do that. So I think that's worth noting. Um, we probably won't talk about Miami, Ohio after these next couple minutes for the rest of the year because I get it. We understand <clears throat> we understand that that's a team that Notre Dame should blow out. But and it's they did. Not, and they and did. They did it right. And they did. Yeah. Yeah. They did it correctly. That's how you're supposed yeah. to blow up my Ohio and leave absolutely no doubt whatsoever. I think that you're know, getting back to Wimbush and focusing more on Notre Dame now. It, I thought watching the game on tape, I thought Wimbush was almost as poor as he was at Boston College. Um, statistically, he was was actually quite a bit better. Yeah. Um, but 
that was a game, I think, in some ways, because the offensive line dominated Miami's front seven, it actually ended up making Wimbush look worse because he had seven, eight seconds to look down the field and could not find anybody. Uh, now, I, but I, now, that's got – you can't just assume that the receivers – I mean, unless you can see what the receivers are doing, are they open? Uh, yeah. Okay. They are. Um, they're open. Cam I mean, Smith's not, opening well, should have had an opening bomb touchdown. Now that is a little bit on McGlinchey yeah. for the lazy, kind of a lazy block for knowing it's play right. action. You have to block longer than he just shoved his man outside. Yeah. And that's I don't the want. Guy that I, I don't want to make excuses for yeah. Brandon. No, Wilbush. but he, he, he was deal. all over the place. I think again, Josh Adams could have caught that wheel route. I think you catch that. It's another. Yeah. You could jump and catch it, and not score. You could gain thirty yards on the wheel route. You know that's a. You yeah, but you can't. Yeah, I, and look, we can go. Yeah, but yeah, but going back and forth, you can't roll to your right and throw back to the middle of the field, especially uh, when right, especially it's, when it's, a Max receiver and he's not going to come meet the pass. He's just going to wait for it to come to him. We're not <laughs> arguing that he's good. We're just there's a couple I, plays no, I where he I, maybe could have looked. I think better. there's a there's a play. I think it was the second to last pass where Wisher is open in the end zone. I thought it really summed up where Wimbush is as a quarterback because <laughs> I he agree. he needs to throw. He needs to see. The space that's open, not the man that's open. Because there was a huge space that was open. And that's the difference, I think, between your passing game being you're reading the coverages and then reacting, and your passing game waiting for the receiver I really want to throw to to be completely wide open. Because that, that should have been a, put that ball on a rope and it's a touchdown, no problem. That's, that's, a, that's progress that I think Wimbush not only needs to make, but I think we'll make this year where that, that pass will be a touchdown at some point by November. It was similar to the Dexter Williams touchdown last week against Michigan State where it ended up having to be a difficult catch for Williams. He broke open a second immediately. Before. Yeah, and it was it ended up being a trap the ball against your body, get one foot in, where it should have just been an easy touchdown catch. And there's going to be people closing on that. He's going to have to clean that up. He's holding the ball way too long, way too many times. The Wisher, the Wisher one is, is one example. The Michael Young pass on the sideline that was ruled out of bounds. That is first and 10 at the 14. He's at the 8-yard line. He's open. Throw him the ball at yeah. second and four. But he waits and waits and waits, and he's got an impatient freshman on the sideline, and he can't he can't be patient either, and he drifts out of bounds. The, I think it's, it's just doubt in his mind. Is he really open? Am I going to throw it on target? If I throw that, is a is a, a DB going to come out of nowhere and I didn't see him? It's doubt in his mind. He he doesn't he doesn't have complete confidence in his accuracy or what he's seeing, and and to me that's written all over his body language and the way that he plays quarterback position. I think one of the disappointing surprises to me is like he's been pretty good on play action so far this year. That should be a look that. The Notre Dame's favor, and on Saturday he was one of seven for eleven yards. Uh, outside the pocket, he was zero of four for obviously zero yards and took a sack. Um, I, I just wonder until further notice of Notre Dame's passing game. And I mentioned this last week on our podcast when we're, when he played well at Michigan State. If the passing game basically is, did you hit on three deep shots or did you right. hit on one deep shot? And if you hit on three, it's like the difference between one and three is real small. But at Michigan State, he hit on two. He was two of two for 67 yards. Last week against Miami, he was one of four for 54 yards. Easily could have hit Cam Smith to begin with. Georgia. E- easily could have hit Nick Wisher. I mean, that's. I just wonder if that is kind of where the passing game is going to be for a little bit, where we. 
we judge everything based on whether he hit two deep balls or three deep balls or or zero deep wow. balls because he that's that that should be what Notre Dame's passing but game is is successful at right now because it's play action. Do stuff. you see why last week I said? That okay now they need to go back to some of the intermediate stuff because they've got to try to develop him. You can't just you can't you can't stay the same because then you're not going you're you're not going to be good enough in the second half of the season. You can do that against Miami. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that you go into North Carolina with exactly that same frame of mind because it is an ACC team. They are that. bad. They yeah, are bad. It's better to make sure they're bad first. You have to make, exactly that, that day. <laughs> exactly. You make sure they're bad first, and you know then you can work from there. And it, they are. Well, we'll talk about that yeah. later in the week. Intermediate passes, six to twenty yards. Wimbush was actually four of eight for fifty-six yards. Well, that's four. well. His best pass of the year was probably that throw to Clay. Well, since the Nick Wisher touchdown, it was that throw to Clay Pool on fourth. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. The throw to Wisher was fantastic. You know, but, I mean, do you realize that is such a? Well, in dude, the grand scheme, it's a simple throw. In the grand scheme of all of it, yes. But it was if he makes that throw, I know. Aren't unstoppable. I know. So that's, but you could say maybe it's the other throw to Clay Pool. Which was the seven yard touchdown, fade, which was also yeah. intermediate yeah. route because it was a fade route that was beyond five yards. Like he put that where only Claypool could yeah. get it, and Claypool went and got it. Um, it's there was the other ones were St. Brown for eleven yards along the sideline, which was under pressure a little bit. Uh, I mean, he's more than capable of making these yeah. throws. He Even the crossing route for the touchdown to St. Brown was he held on too long. Yeah, sure. I mean, that at least was like. He waited for him to clear. Route. I get, I get that. But it's he is definitely throwing right. to the man, not the spot. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I think it was just more evidence of he's waiting to see the receiver open, opposed to the space that the receiver is about to run into. Um, I just think there's a lot of doubt in his head, and and um, he's played that way. Um, Ian Book came in with a sense of urgency. Maybe, maybe you know. Not as much to lose, I guess, yeah. when you're the when you're deemed the starter in Ordain. But he came in and did a good job. I'm not saying uh, that Wimbush is under pressure for the starting job. I I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, if Brandon Wimbush is injured, which apparently he ha- he's dealing with uh, something injury, early yeah. early in early in the week that we weren't aware of post game. Um, I you know I said it when Ian Book. When we watch his high school film, Nordham can win with him as long as as long as he's surrounded by a quality cast, which it, it's certainly trending in in that direction. They can win with with Ian Book as long as Josh Adams is healthy. They can win with as Ian long. Book. Yes, yes. Josh Adams is. It's nice to have four running backs, but Josh <laughs> Adams is an All American type football player. Defensively, um, I'm not sure what the. I haven't gone through the film and charted snaps and tendencies and all that kind of stuff I, I guess watching it live and just sort of thinking about it I, I you know Nick Watkins struggled against a good player uh that happens sometimes I thought that the tackling was a little iffy um but I did think that I did think that defensive line was was fairly disruptive it was good um, I thought yeah. it was a good performance from that group I looked at the Watkins situation similar to Wimbush in that okay Brandon, we're going to work on these routes that you struggle with. Okay, Nick, we're going to put you up against this guy. We're, I used the quarters term, and that should be a lesson not to be throwing around terms that you're not exactly <laughs> sure about. Uh, but I, to, I will use a, I will use a, a, you know, in terms of just the the nitty gritty of yeah. all of that. But in ter- uh, um, 
Chuck Martin. I went to Chuck Martin's press conference after the game, got him quickly, and then was able to make it over to BK before that started. <clears throat> and, uh, the term he used was uh, was three club boundary. So in other words, your other three DBs are basically playing zonish. The backside corner, Julian Love mans up when the situation dictates. And Watkins is either in press, but more likely off the line of scrimmage and kind of catching him as he gets down the field and, and getting physical. And it was a good... It was a, a good idea for Nordame, I think, to use that and put that challenge on Nick Watkins. Nick Watkins has the size to be physical with a receiver of that size and has the, the, the catch-up speed to chase a guy like that. Julian Love has to get by on perfect technique, staying with the guy. You know, he, make, he makes the, the PBU at the, at the goal line, which is classic Julian Love. Um, but he doesn't have the makeup speed that Nick Watkins does. So Nick Watkins has to play one-on-one with players of that caliber. He got the the short end of the stick. But again, you're playing, that's what, that's coaching. You got to put guys in that situation, especially when you're playing an opponent that you know you got a little bit of leeway with. And, uh, and he didn't, he didn't handle it. He didn't handle it real well, but it's good that he went through that and, and hopefully he can go back to the, the, the practice field this week and build on it. He's better than that. He's not going to run it all the time. But you know what? It's going to be. Well, I mean, based upon, I, I don't disagree, but based yeah. upon what are. I mean, based He's upon what's. He's played the ball better than that until this game. He now, didn't there play was the Georgia game where you have a 30 yarder. I mean, that was a. That was just. People give up 30 yard passes in situations. James like Gardner's one of the best receivers yeah, he is. on the schedule this year. Ragland is a good quarterback. They, they have two really good players on their team, and they had some moments. Uh, if you're going to put Julian Love over there on the boundary and he's going to go one on one against Miami's receiver on the boundary and USC's receivers on the boundary, you're going to see some problems from Julian Love, yeah. too. So it's got to be Nick Watkins. Yeah, the, Crawford's too small for the run game on the boundary, probably. Yeah, he um, didn't. He didn't. I mean, how many snaps did Crawford ultimately get? He didn't He didn't, uh, He didn't. didn't get that many. And part of that that coverage that I'm talking about, that's, you know, you, you play action fake, your linebackers take a natural step up, you've got three guys deep, There's going to, that seam route's going to be open, and they hit it a few times. Actually, I can tell you, Crawford had 36 snaps, and Nick, Wat- thought, Nick Watkins yeah. had 35. You know what? Really? Um, the the huh. issue I would have with Watkins is, you know was also better than he showed one year? It was Gary Gray. And when it all starts going yeah. downhill for a corner, it can start going downhill for that was through so, That was through three quarters. Okay. He's, he's going to have to uh, have a good game against North Carolina to, to be in good shape going to the USC game because they're, they're coming at him too. Yeah, and he, you know, I mean, he reacted negatively to, yeah. <laughs> to some yeah. plays. And, you, you know, you, you hope he... You know, keep keep your chin up, kid, and you hope you hang in there. But you're you're right. I mean, <laughs> and keep the finger wave in your pocket when you've been beaten for two touchdowns. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, everybody, <laughs> Notre Dame fans will know why can't why can't Notre Dame's corners turn and make a play on the ball? And every other fan group in the country is saying the same damn thing about their corners, right? Yeah, well, the first, I mean, the first touchdown he gave up, he gave it up because he tried to turn and make He a turned play on twice. The ball. He found the ball twice. And then he just lost him. Yeah. Like, uh, you, know, yeah. you lose the man. So that's that's what happens. Gardner's there. great. At, I mean, he's he's long. He's got a he's got a great reach. He's strong. He's got a strong reach. And he got confident in that game against Watkins. And yeah. It wasn't the other right. way. And it's you know you talk about there's corners have to have confidence. And then it was what what is it Mike Denbrock told us once? There's fake confidence and real confidence. Yeah. There was some fake confidence at corner in that the, game. You can benefit though from adversity, and I think I think that that's you know that's something that you can you know you can wipe the slate clean at the end of it. Go back in the next week and say, all right, Nick, we know you're good. Let's build on what you're good at. Yeah, easy when you win by five touchdowns. Just, yeah. just start over. Yeah, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I, I thought overall the 
Jalen Elliott and tackling is still something that I feel like is it might just be an ongoing thing this year. He's physical. Just he just needs to wrap somebody. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't know if that's going to be a strength of his for a while. Um, you know, there was a, there was a, wait, and unfortunately, if you're a safety, you miss a tackle on a run play. It's a huge run play. At least he flies to the ball. He does. He does. He's <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> to kind of, and stunts still are very similar that way. They are boom. I am attacking your ass. To kind of back up your comment. BK is kind of talking around the safeties being improved by saying, we just don't put them in position to have to make tackles seven yards downfield. Well, at some point, you can't yeah, hide them forever because you're going to have to make But Elliot tackles. is physical, and I, you know, I, he just needs to, I mean, what do they say? you gotta, you got to be in a good football position when you arrive at the football. You can teach that. Not, so you can teach yeah. That. Uh, you know, the aggressiveness, you, right. you can't, re- right, that's what you're saying. You can't really teach that. So that, at least that's a, that's a positive. All right. Well, I don't know. Is there anything else from the No, we have been game. talking for 20 minutes. Yeah. Going to break down that fake punt. Maybe not. Jack's looking at us. No, he's... Jack's giving us a dirty look over here. <laughs> all right. That's it for segment one of Irish Illustrated Insider. We have questions from Twitter and our readers, so we'll get into all that next. Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, attorneys at law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, burning up the board, starting with a question from Wash ND. Isn't the running game even more impressive since teams don't necessarily have to respect the pass game right now. I think that's sort of a lost uh, point than this, that uh, people have been saying, like, well, wait till teams start reloading the box. With what, 12 guys? I mean, there's there's literally no point in playing Notre Dame honest over the last three or four weeks. And I, I would go back to the Michigan State game as the best example. It's not like Michigan State was like, well, we got to take away the pass first. They were putting eight guys in the box, and Notre Dame still ran on it. So I don't, I don't, I think people are saying like, wait, the perception is wait until Georgia does it again. Well, you're not going to run into Georgia no, because they, Georgia has a bunch of creatures out there who like have 48 inch vertical jumps. I mean, you look at Josh Adams' touchdown run. That's a three-yard loss against Georgia. Yeah, it is. It was 73-yard TD against Miami, Ohio. It was an unblocked linebacker. Yeah. That's... Yeah, uh, so the answer is yes. The Irish running game is more impressive since teams don't have to respect the run. I mean, there's going to be some teams that have better athletes than... Uh, Michigan State has a fine defense, but USC will... Oh, USC is going to be... Notre going to be well-scouted. That is going to be an interesting game. The Notre Dame-USC game, because their defense isn't the Georgia uh, just absolute nail-chewing killers of linebackers out there. No, it, Washington State ran against them. Right, but they're better than most of what Notre Dame faced otherwise. And they'll be they'll they'll play well that day. They're not going to play poorly that day. Interesting it's that just, we don't hear we don't hear BK talk about uh, eight men in the box anymore. And interesting after the game, the comment about waking up and got hit in the head... <laughs> And, and you know, decide to start playing more. I liked it because he oh, I loved it. it. He did a good job of admitting it without putting it on completely. He put a little bit on himself, but he made it tongue in cheek. But it's really one hundred percent on himself. Yeah. <laughs> Not really. I mean, it's it clearly is. that. Yeah, it is because you never. Fans are not wrong at all when they say Brian Kelly abandoned the run at the worst possible time for yeah. six of his last seven years. The problem was that he. 
He went to the spread of Grand Valley, had great success, went to Central Michigan, had an above 500 record there, and had great success at Cincinnati with it, and he came to Notre Dame thinking he didn't have to change. But why then, after he changed a little in 2012, did he not just keep that method? Without great quarterbacks, too. If you could have protected Everett Golson better, he'd have been a little better. Tommy Reese was not a great quarterback. You could have I know. protected his the best running game. teams have been his best teams at Notre Dame. Yes. I mean, it's yeah, just the way it's just, it's it just, just seems like you should just kind of embrace yeah. that. Well, he's he embracing has. it now, and you can't turn back the clock, and so at least he got there. All right, we'll go to Twitter here. This is a combination question from Chris Tam and John Bloss. Chris wants to know, what do you think the worst matchup is on the rest of Notre Dame's schedule? And John has an idea because he says, don't you think North Carolina State is actually the hardest game the rest of the way? That would be that would be one of the first ones that come to mind. Yes, definitely. Uh, great defensive front. Uh, skill position athletes, uh, one of the better quarterbacks, it appears, on Notre Dame's schedule this year. Uh, not a great coach, not a, not, a, not a close game coach, so I guess that'd be an interesting <laughs> uh, matchup. Yeah, we'll just know, right? Who are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Both coaches right. in, in that instance. Uh, yeah, I, that's, especially if Notre Dame, especially if Notre Dame beats USC, I mean, that is a tough back-to-back Home and home. I think it's tough no matter what. If you lose, you it can is. see it's hard to get yeah, for that no, game. It, it it's, is. It's, t- it's a tough one. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's a good call. I think there's a lot of athletes on Miami's offense that could yeah. stretch or stress this defense more than we've seen so far, especially on the road. That's a tough one right there. Um, the Notre Dame-Stanford game is going to be fun to watch two teams run. There's going to be points scored in that game. Oh, man. And it's, that's... That's heading in that 38-36 territory again because... Minimum. They can score, and Notre Dame is going to run all over Stanford in that game. Notre yeah. Dame ran all over Stanford two years ago when Stanford had a better defense and better defensive players out in Stanford. Yeah, Josh Adams. Stanford's defense has been trending the other direction. Well, they were they were awfully good there for a few years, but it's been trending in the other direction. It has direction. been. They were great, yeah. and then they were fine, and now it's trending to not being Let's good. talk about North Carolina giving up five yards per carry, yes. 220 yards per game, and they're ranked in the bottom 10% against the pass, too. I think Pete made a good point. We're going to get to this more, but they just played Georgia Tech, too, and you know what Notre Dame feels like after the triple option defensively. Yeah, because I mean that has, any, that has nothing to do with yards per carry, but it, they just beat the crap out of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It has to do with total yardage allowed, on the ground, because, I mean, look, Temple is 108th in yards per carry defense at 4.96. Notre Dame rushed for 4.23 on them. North Carolina is 109th at 4.97. And Stanford is 101st at 4.84. Yards. Yards are coming. So the hardest matchup is probably North Carolina State because no, stopping Notre Dame's offense is the way to get them. Georgia has, I mean, not shown us Georgia's a great team, but... Stopping making Notre Dame work for it offensively is clearly what yeah. would hurt Notre Dame overall in a sixty. Why do I get the feeling that there's going to be a lot of rain that night? What would cause me Stop to think that? On this note, um, North Carolina State is 14th in yards per carry allowed at 2.87. One slot above them, Georgia, 2.86. <laughs> uh, they're not that good. <laughs> we've seen we've seen NC State's defense. We've seen Georgia's defense. NC State's is not that good, but. I I would put good. their defensive line up against yeah, Georgia's because I think they have more pure pass rushers along the defensive line. All right, let's stay on Twitter. Matt Moran wants to know, what is your opinion on the running back rotation this weekend at North Carolina? It seems like Notre Dame has... 
three injured guys. Yeah, they're, you know, ankle injuries, they can recur. That's the issue they have. They're going to face no, the rest of the year no doubt for about all it. three of them. Um, I guess Jones is more getting Yeah, jo- I, Jones but is... But he's missed a game with an ankle injury. It's not that's like true. he's going to be great. That's true. Yeah. And Dexter Williams, you know, Brian Kelly says on Sunday, though, he'll definitely be back. Dexter Williams was not walking well in tennis shoes Was he Saturday. maybe booted? We couldn't tell from I don't, there. I, I, I can't say for sure. Right, I didn't right. think so. You I live automatically. Yeah, no, I, right. I, I don't think that he was, but I can't say that possibly. Look, I said last week that if Tony Jones sat out a game, he probably wouldn't play the next game, and then he did. So I won't say that about Dexter Williams this week. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, they need Josh Adams. That's number one in the rotation. They need Josh Adams to get them a nice big lead. And then I think he should sit until Thursday before the USC game. Josh Adams was super cagey yeah. about this when I asked him directly. I said, so you sprained the other ankle or the re-sprained it? And he, he his answer was, I sprained the other ankle mm. without directly saying I sprained the other ankle. So if he has two sprained ankles, that's not great. Um, the other thing that's not great is when Brian Kelly said that Dexter Williams was last week where Tony Jones was the week before. Tony Jones was not that great on Saturday. He was he looked slow. Yeah. Um, he ran right into the pump returner. He, he didn't really offer a lot in the running game. Dexter Williams needs to be way better than that to be the effective second back because I don't think Tony Jones was effective. So I don't, I mean, if they were all healthy, you could speculate about a rotation, but you just, I just, I I don't think that we will know until game day. They're going to have to gut this one out. That's basically how I I see it breaking out. All right. Last Twitter question is from Synoptico, and he wants to know what is your opinion on the video board through three games? I barely watch it. I don't do much. Uh, it's loud. It is loud if you're in that end zone. I go out to the um, join Jack Freeman out on the patio pregame for mm-hmm. a uh, nice relaxing time. Which cigar it's or whatever. Really, yeah. It's a really nice place <laughs> out on that patio looking over the uh, tailgate lots and everything. It's really loud if you're in that end zone. Uh, and I don't mean that as a... I mean that it would be annoying a little bit. Well, who's allowed in, on that end? That patio? All of us. I, yeah, but I mean... There. I. Are there, That's awesome. there are other people out there besides yeah, the media um, going ahead? No, no, people in the suite. There's a suite right there. There is, okay. Yeah, there was a, I haven't been in... They I, sold that suite to Georgia, well, because Vince Dooley was... Vince Dooley was out there. I met Vince Dooley a couple weeks ago. <laughs> really? Nice. Yeah, but um, it's it's a suite and then media. It's a nice place before the game. As a tangent to this question. But it's very loud <laughs> on that side. Uh, I would I think if you sit in that end zone, you might not love it because not only is it loud, but you have to turn around to see it. Yeah, and I think but, uh, one of the photographers said something <clears> about them really cranking up the volume this past week, it right? It seemed really loud to me when yeah. I was out there. Um, uh, it's I, difficult in the press box because we, we are we are yeah. enclosed. There there are no open No, and that's strange no open windows. Me, I guess because they predict cold weather, but you never get more than one cold weather game. I know Michigan, I've always thought, I talk about Michigan's press box a lot, they open those little windows right. so you can hear the we game miss, and stuff. We, we miss, miss a lot, a lot yeah. without the... We used to have that in the old press box. Yeah. yeah it was but, top window. I think it's it's been good. Um, we used to be able to see in the old press box. <laughs> we are high up. We, no, I'm talking about the sun. Yeah, from, the, oh, from yeah. the film review helps. <laughs> I know. There's so much. I'm like, that happened? Yeah. Notre Dame played Miami? Um, I, there was one one little video bit that they put on that I thought was hilarious. And I think one of the thing one of my issues with Notre Dame in general is like they don't have a sense of humor about things. Uh, and so they did a montage of... Various clips of the offense, meeting rooms, um, you know, coaches talking to one another, players talking to each other on bench, but they were playing the Office theme song behind it. So it looked like the intro to the Office. And it, and at the end, if you remember the Office, the last shot of the intro is a keyboard, and it's a, it, they have a 
a key that's like the caps locks, but it says the office. And then they change it to the offense. And I'm like, that's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Like, thank you. That's funny. <laughs> Not like pun funny, like Sergeant McCarthy, which is fine too, but like legitimately <laughs> funny. And you just you, you just don't get that a lot. So I I props to whoever came up with that idea. ND Squid 23, including North Carolina next week, Northern's first half opponents are combined 15 and 14. That includes unbeaten Georgia. The second half opponents are combined 22 and 5. I love that Notre Dame is dominating bad opponents, but Notre Dame still hasn't beaten a top 25 team. Don't we need to pump the brakes here? On what? What are we pumping the brakes on? I, uh, maybe that's what I want to. Maybe because we said they could be great. Well, they they could be. They right? could be. But that's, the, that's why he's yeah. asking the question, though, because we. I don't think we need to pump the brakes on the potential of something happening. The right? de- the defensive line right, the defensive yeah, line is way better and can stop the run. The the, the defense the running played game well against is, Georgia, which is relevant. That's right. something that should the be running game up. is absolutely dominant. I mean, I you you can see that they're way better. It, I think it, both of us are right. We don't need to pump the brakes because they're way better, and the last six games are harder than five of the first games. Which we've said right. every every step of the way, including today, in talking about NC State. There won't be a second We're half collapse. talking about Miami. Though. There will not be a second half collapse. That A second half of the season collapse, collapse. You would have to lose Josh Adams and multiple defensive linemen and Quentin Nelson and, and, and Brandon. I agree. English. Yeah, so that, uh, I, would, I would put that out of your mind. Now, we'd... There's no one you guarantee you can totally take for granted beating because Wake Forest is a fine football team. They should beat Wake Forest. I'm not saying they won't, but Wake Forest, you have to work to beat Wake Forest. Yeah. Harder than you have to work this week to beat when at North Carolina, which does not seem like a comment you could make in August because you're on a road against an ACC team versus bringing in Wake Forest. Wake certainly seemed like the ninth best, tenth best team. Now they, they're fine. They're, they gave Florida State well, they could handle. They, there's been carryover defensively, yeah. which you thought when Elko walked out the door that wouldn't happen, but there's been carryover. So, And I'll never again say, and Pete reminded me that Navy's a gimme. So. <laughs> <laughs> there's no such thing. I mean, there's... I, no joke, I was, I was having a conversation with about... Paul Johnson's offense this morning with somebody, and I googled Alexander Teach highlights, and I watched them. Well, this team is and better I, than that Notre Dame like, team in 2010. Yeah, and Harrison Smith were on that defense. What the hell? I mean, come on! They never, they never played beat Pete. And Bob Diaco was the defensive coordinator. Here's the deal: if if someone says Notre Dame's going to the college football playoff, you can tell them to pump the brakes because they're they're not going to do that. If you think. Notre Dame is just really a lot better than they were last year and legitimately good and probably will finish 9-3. and three. No, that's fine. I don't think you need to pump brakes on that. I'm not looking at record right now or what the final record would be. It's it's more the the product, the, the process, performance. the performance uh, that... Well, right now, that, yeah. That, surely, surely, right, that we're should, yeah. focusing on. I, I You know, I... The record doesn't matter to me right now. It's the optics that I, that that you see that are that are so much better. It matter a lot more if they got a game winning field goal against Georgia, though. I, it's not an impossible thing either. Like people are acting like, oh, I mean, they lost by a point. Yeah, and it was. Right. I know we give a lot of and credit so to Georgia. You, but they, it, they could have won that. Game. Would they it's, be any better then if they were five and zero? Oh and well, the question is, yes. yeah, they would be. Yeah, they would be because there would well, yeah, because they would have won a close game, which yeah. they. They can't do, and that was that was my whole that was my whole argument about the loss to Georgia. I mean, 
really, you know, impressed by the improvement they made, but they lost another one score game. So you're still where you were. Yeah. Now a lot, you know, now the last three weeks, it's different optics and it's the same concept that that BK brought up after the game where it was like, okay, what box can we check off this week against Miami, Ohio? It's overmatched opponent that we can put our foot on their throat immediately. Check. At Michigan State, going on the road, running the ball against a good defense, check. Brandon Wimbush in a rough environment, first start out there. Check. I mean, the the problem is you can't do the top 20 opponent one-score game box check for another right. three weeks. Um, and there's nothing you can do about that. There's nothing That's, you can do about that. That just requires the calendar. Blue chip man, Indy scored 45 points in the first half. If Ian Book played the entire half, would Indy have scored less, more, or the same? Uh, less, because Ian Book probably wouldn't have hit Chase Claypool for 20 yards on 4th and 12. I don't think Ian Book would have hit Chase Claypool for a 7-yard touchdown on a fade in the end zone on a perfectly thrown pass. Um, so it would have been less. But I think Ian Book is pretty good. I mean, yeah, can, I think, can, we, can we go with that? Yeah, I mean, I think him? they can win with him. I mean, I just, I just want to comment on what, I saw him do on Saturday, and that was a guy that came in aggressive and with confidence and was decisive and trusted what he saw, uh, making how many multiple fakes on a play action. If, all right, if you haven't watched the tape, <laughs> make sure you sit down and watch his play action fake to Deion McIntosh on the 48-yard uh, pass to Chris Fink because it's amazing. <laughs> It was, my, it was the favorite. It was my favorite thing in the entire game was Ian Book's play action fake. But I thought his I thought his mechanics were good and solid, which you don't always say about Wimbush. He had a throw on the run to yes. his right yeah. that he threw right on target. He delivered a beautiful ball to Chris Fink. Um, again, drop back, confident body language. I'm hitting this thing, and he did. Ian Book does some things better than Brandon Wimbush. Right yes, now. well, but mechanically. Is going to obliterate Notre Dame's rushing record for touchdowns for a quarterback in a season. Obliterate it. He is if he plays this week, he might beat it this week. In ben, week six. Bench the quarterback that threw he is a three touchdowns in athlete. Yes, and that's why he makes a running game go, because he's another running back. It's a, look, this is a good subject to talk about because as we referenced earlier, Brandon Wimbush is banged up. You know, I had three sources tell me he was a walking boot on Sunday. Expected to play, expected to be fine. But Getting Ian Book ready is a real thing now. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if 48 hours ago I would have said that that was a real thing you needed to be concerned about. Now I think it is. They can certainly win with him. You you would hate for Wimbush to not be able to play and then have three weeks between games. USC. Yeah, before playing USC. Um, so hopefully. You also don't want Wimbush in a situation where he's out, out, out pregame. Like if they wouldn't do a precautionary, they're going to get him ready. We also don't want to go into a game where Wimbush is maybe an emergency guy if things go wrong, because I don't think he'd fare that well. If something happens to Book, or if he, the offense stagnates and you need him to win yeah, the game, it's tough to go in and do that. you got to start him. you got to play They him. do not. Yeah. They absolutely do not have a number three quarterback. Right, right. So that's... <laughs> I'm just saying Avery Davis isn't ready to, to no, run Notre Dame's offense, and they, they're trying to preserve it anyway, but... Bomb Irish. I enjoyed watching Khalid Kareem contribute to the defensive line play this weekend. How do you view his developmental trajectory for the remainder of the season and beyond? I think he's the. I mean, he's the natural heir apparent to Jay Hayes. Um, he looked really good. He took advantage of an inexperienced right tackle. 
but he keeps getting better and better. Brian Kelly talks about his improved strength. I think we're seeing some pass rush ability there. He had a whole bunch of sacks in high school. Uh, he just keeps getting better and better. I mean, I, I'm not sure that he's going to um, ne- necessarily get a whole bunch more playing time. That was probably the most that he's gotten. But I like, you know, I mean, it's kind of, it's it's cool to see in the first quarter how they rotate those defensive ends through so they all get an opportunity yeah. to break a sweat. And, um, you know, I, I it was a guy that I loved coming out of high school. He was in my top whatever three in that in that class. Got off to a bit of a slow start, but he has really benefited from the strength and conditioning. Um, you know, the the new coordinator, Mike Elston, moving back to the defensive line. It's all good. Errol pointing up with Khalid Kareem. I, th- I feel like he's the heir apparent to Andrew Trombetti because um, hopefully Jay Hayes will still be here next year. But I think Khalid Kareem can be that maybe swing defensive end. Okay. Helps you a little bit. Okay, I get I that. I, I mean, think... he's more he's more Jay Hayes-like than he is yeah, Andrew Trombetti-like. Next year, I'm guessing the rotation is going to be Hayes and Kareem oh, locked in on... Our Hayes and Kareem are locked in on one side, and then the other Hayes, Dalen Hayes and O'Quarra yeah. locked on the other side. And that could be... I mean, as your first four defensive ends, look, assuming they year. all development, they all develop more from where they are, hey, that's a, that's a nice place to be. That's better than this year because those guys are going to get better. So yeah. you're just, I know your Trombetti's having a good year. And they but. don't have to play, I mean, nobody has to play 60, 55, 60 snaps. I always say that's a good point because Kareem did use a year of eligibility. So I was about to say, there, yeah, if I'll he's there. something about Clint Kareem. In 2020, he's going to be the focus of the Notre Dame Four Horsemen Lounge message board for Irish Illustrated because he completely, 100% in a Kona Schwenke Romeo Aquara way, threw away a year of eligibility yeah. last year by throwing him out there. He had zero impact. On anything, and even though I wasn't at any practice, I'm going to say he had zero impact at any practice. I can't believe he played. I absolutely Julian Aquara. <laughs> they needed a pass rush. Well, you I can can't see Julian, believe he played. Think about it. You can look at Julian Aquara. You could say, "Hey, why'd they play him last year?" Notre Dame had no pass rush, and obviously he has pass rush skills. He played in real downs, so they thought maybe he could help our pass rush. Totally, that's fine. That's it. Didn't work out. There was no reason to play Khalid Kareem last year. You're right. You're right. So he can't be there apparent to J.A.'s because he would only have one year yeah. left. Uh, uh, scratch that in my tail of the tape today. But um, he's that type of player. He's more Jay Hayes than he is Andrew Trombetti. But maybe you have a little bit of versatility with him. Trombetti will be gone. You need to balance that depth chart out. I, I just I love what how they're playing the people they are on the defensive line and how you can develop – <laughs> so Mike developed it. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. doing a hell of a job. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, how can the the concept of developing depth while getting better on defense was just completely foreign at Notre Dame. Even under <laughs> even under Diaco, who you're no, you're that's a good was point. a even really good defensive yeah. coordinator. My comment about Diaco against Navy was he had no idea how to stop that, but he was still otherwise a really good defensive coordinator, and he didn't develop any depth. And Van Gorder didn't develop anything. That was an interesting way to address where Khalid Kareem's future is going. But uh, And our last question is, our wild scout, he wants to know, given Alexander Max inconsistency in route running and pass catching, is it time to see more Cole Komet and Nick Wisher in the in passing situations? I'm all for more Nick Wisher, but I think it's time to see Alexander Mack just become more like Alexander Mack's supposed to be. I love Cole Komet, but he's not beating out Alexander Mack right no, now. No, but I mean, that's reason. up to him. I mean, he's... It is. It's he, all up to Wimbush a little bit, too. You, this is going to... 
sound mean spirited, but he's got he's got to put the team ahead of himself, and I think that he's more concerned about what about him getting his than the team getting its. You'd be okay with Nick Wisher taking snaps because he's blocking, yeah, absolutely. Blocking better, well, he he's is a good receiver. I mean, he is playing. He's playing yeah, a lot yeah, he, more. He, he he's is. playing a lot more snaps. I, guess so I think he has the last two games. games. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't go that far on Mac. I actually. Well, when I was is, he, tape, is he giving great effort? Are, are, I, I mean, are you, he, yeah, I thought he did on Saturday. I mean, I, I thought when he engaged guys in the run game, those guys moved away like he drove them. Okay, um, and that is not something that I've seen from him to date. You know, I know it's a Mac opponent and all that, but I thought that was fine. Now he played. I had him for thirty-five snaps. Smythe for nineteen. Wisher for sixteen. Could you go more? Even that out? Yeah. That might have been intentional to give Smythe some rest. I think that they're in a position right now where Wisher and Smythe are the same position and Mac is a position by himself. That's that's true. And I don't think Cole Komet's ready to be out there either. So I think they're they're stuck. Like Mac is essentially how many snaps did the slot receiver get and how many snaps did Mac get? That's the job share there. He's a hybrid. He's not a tight end. Which is, if you read Irish Illustrated all spring and summer, we said Alizé Mac would be the slot receiver, basically. You're removing the slot receiver from the Um, offense. I don't want to be, you know, I I don't want to be unfair to Alizé Mac, but I don't think that, you know, you're commenting about Miami, Ohio. I'm I'm talking about over the course of five games. I don't know. I mean, I I don't, I don't think that his, his effort has been consistent. Um, Well, it was poor against Temple. So that yeah. you have and he, I mean, he, and he probably sure. needs, um, you know, he needs a quarterback that can hit him when he's in mo- when he's motioning in front. I mean, yeah, there's a there's a really nice play you guys were talking about pre podcast where Wimbush just has a dead to right smack after a fake read option and a four yard pass and it just it just looks hit him in the knee, horrid. Um, and not that's in a bad way for Wimbush, not Mac. It's not that Mac should have gotten it. it no, that was been. an impossible yeah. catch. I don't understand. Me. You know, we see Brian Kelly showing. You know, turn your shoulder and drive your lead shoulder. I don't understand how you can <laughs> over and over and over again. He did it. I just don't understand how you can rep those kind of things day after day after day after day, and you don't get your shoulder turned when you know that that is the exact technique to use for that it's, play it is 100 percent a golf analogy there like i think wimbush has a million things in his head right there like when you're repping, oh i don't when you're repping that one technique you're like okay i'm turning my shoulder it's tuesday I'm i turn my i can't I'm compare that shoulder. i can't compare that to a golf on, swing on saturday eighty thousand people there i'm watching the linebacker ward of the safety doing kind of throw it over here here's the snap okay i gotta roll out oh i forgot to turn my shoulder it's it's the pressure on Wimbush. That's like saying that I, I went down for a ground ball and I forgot to put my button hands down. I, I just don't. I, I I don't see it as the same thing. I, I mean, we're coming from different perspectives, I guess. Do you but. see it in any way, like a free throw, where guys shoot eighty-one percent practice no, and shoot sixty-two no, percent? No, because that's else do you the, have to think about it on a free. That's throw? the only technique from the free throw line. Is your that, yeah, well, legs as it is on a ground ball. You think there's a lot going on in the field, the ground ball? Throw the ground ball. Yeah, but not every ground ball's right at you. You're left, right, then, you know, your your center of balance is different depending upon where you are in relation to the ball. I I don't know. I you know, we're, we're spending time trying to make an analogy. I I just don't understand that when you re- he he knows that when that play is called that that is the that's a technique. How is that not second nature when running that play? 
I, well, I, under, I get, I get, I get what you're saying about all the things going through your head. When I, I and I, I was watching this game and thinking about Chuck Martin and what's going through his head and having a, an idea of how he wanted to attack Notre Dame. How do those guys? How do those guys do it with so much to consider? The game is so different now, so incredibly different than just 25 years ago, 20 years ago. I don't know how they do it, and I, I just I don't know how they do it. It's so. You know, check with me on the sideline. Yeah, there's a that. that it is just things. it is just outrageous how many aspects there are to the game now, and how many things a guy a kid has to think about. I, I mean, to me, that's a reason to be optimistic about Wimbush, opposed to pessimistic, because I think all that stuff will happen because so much of that is just in his head, uh, and I agree. He will get all that flushed and figured out. I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be a super accurate quarterback. But he's going to be able to complete that pass to Alexander Hack ninety nine percent of the I time agree. moving forward. Just like the Wisher throw that we talked about earlier, he'll be able to make that throw consistently moving forward. He probably might not be in games. I mean, in practice, yeah, it might he not be moving forward this weekend, but in November, certainly the next couple of years. And those kind of things with with Wisher and getting rid of the ball—that's a confidence. That, that's saying, "I see it, I believe it." Boom. Yeah, and that—that's not—that's not his mindset right now. No. It's not. He need. He just needs to get there. Now, going forward, Tim, we might want this for pregame incident analysis. You have actually watched Wimbush <laughs> it's, in all five games and predicted how he would I'm play not, in yeah, all five games. I'm not saying this because it's some great observation on my part, but I'm just watching him in pregame, and it's like you hear me say he's throwing the ball well. He's all over the place. That's <laughs> keeps, keeps yeah. I mean, la- last week was he was all over the place in pregame against Miami. You're saying yeah, yeah, yeah. and. He wasn't. His mechanics were different than they were in pregame against Michigan State. It's like his arms loose again. It's not, and he was all over the place again. So I don't know. I guess. Well, well we, you know which way to bet. North Carolina. Runs we'll be watching closely yep. this week. Yeah, assuming he's out of the walking boot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's progress. It's not a straight line. We've said it a million times. Uh, that's it for this week's podcast. We'll be back Thursday to preview that trip to North Carolina. Some more injury updates. I'm sure. Uh, and all sorts of other good stuff as Notre Dame heads on the road with a chance to win a third true road game against a Power 5 team, which would match their total for the previous three years combined, which is pretty wild. So until Thursday, Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening.